Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. with you I didn't finish in time to get my information to the media good wonderful media folks so we're going to do it the old-fashioned way I'm just going to preach and you listen how's that and uh, hopefully we do that anyway but you know what I mean the book of Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verses 1 through 4 and uh, I don't want to say anything here to hinder the spirit of the Lord but I want, I want to just speak something into our heart. I, it's, I want you to preach with me. I'm not indicating that. I want you to just sit silent. But I'm not trying to tell you something this evening for the, for the end result of just a response. Because I don't want you to just hear this tonight. I want us to get this tonight. Amen. The book of Deuteronomy 20 and 1. The Bible says, When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies... And seest horses and chariots, and the people more than thou, be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be when you are come nigh unto the battle, that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people. Listen to verse 3. This is what the priest says to the people. And shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day into battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not, and do not tremble. Neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Amen. That sounds pretty detailed to me. It's like an afterthought that if something goes wrong, we'll figure it out. But God said that he is going to go with you to fight against your enemies ultimately to save you. And if I could just whisper something into your spirit with the help of the Lord tonight, it would be this. God has an answer. God has an answer. And I know sometimes when there's a big question and someone says there is an answer, it seems like that answer is just in a grab bag and can lend to some oftentimes spiritual frustration. That is not my intention tonight. I just want you to be assured that God does have an answer for whatever we face in our lives. Amen. You may be seated and thank you for your kindness and standing. I want to, my target audience this evening, um, I don't normally like to just divide a congregation, but I do have a target audience that I want to speak to tonight, and that target audience will be just primarily those who have ever found yourself in trouble 
or have ever had a problem. And so those are the only two people that I want to address. <laughs> Thank all the rest of you for showing up. <laughs> Life is just full of problems, isn't it? Full of trouble. And I'm, I, I didn't come to paint your world gray by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that we have to understand that that life is life and its problems doesn't just pull down certain streets, doesn't just visit certain zip codes, but problems and peril are everywhere. And so we can't be fooled into thinking that just because we have the Holy Ghost, that nothing bad will ever come our way or there'll be no... Uh, no, no, nothing befall us that has that has that has uh, things attached to it that are unkind or unpleasant. It doesn't exempt us from the difficulties or the dilemmas of life by no stretch of the imagination. In thinking about this today, my mind just wandered briefly to to several instances that we know right now of people that are fighting not just things in in our church, but I'm just talking about people that are fighting friends of ours who have. Uh, situations and problems that are going on in their lives or in the lives of their loved ones. And, and I mean tall mountains, very, very sheer things that they face. And so just because we're moving and even operating in the will of God doesn't mean that the enemy's not going to send trouble into our lives. And so when something comes our way, we can't just automatically assume I must be out of the will of God or I must be doing the wrong thing. Even... Even Job declared that man is a few days and full of trouble, just absolute full of trouble in just a few days. So it's, it, it's really good to know and it's comforting for me to know that when I am faced with something that I don't know what to do, I'm thankful to know that God has an answer. Now that doesn't mean that God always lets me in on what's going on, but I know that it's in his hands. And God is not nearly as perplexed by this as I am. As a matter of fact, he may not be troubled at all about it because he is in control. I'm reminded when the, when the children of Israel had come to what seemed like yet again another obstacle in their wilderness journey, Moses spoke to them in the 31st chapter of Deuteronomy. And I pulled out one of those verses, but I actually wanted, I want to read two. Uh, the Bible talks in, in in Deuteronomy 31, uh, verses 1 through 6, it just is a little synopsis of what Moses is saying to the children of Israel. And, and in short, he just says, this is the end of the journey for me. This is as far as I can go. He gives his age. He talks about that. But the age wasn't really the issue. The age was the fact that God said, you can't go any further than this. And so he said, but I just want you to be assured of one thing. I'm not going to be with you. This familiar face and this familiar voice that you have had in your life up to now is going to be absent and it's going to be silenced. But I want to leave you with this one final word. He said in verse 5 of Deuteronomy 31, And the Lord shall give them, talking about your enemy, up before your face that ye may do unto them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. And in the verse 6, he says, Be ye strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Now I'm going to tell you, I understand that in the, 
in the uh, atmosphere often of our, in a, in a Pentecostal atmosphere, let me put it that way, that sometimes these verses bring us to a great high. And when we start thinking about it is the Lord our God, he goes with us, he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. That's normally said at a few decibels higher than I'm saying it tonight. And the response is generally a few decibels higher than the response this evening, and that's okay. Because I want us not to just hear this. We must get this to realize that God is with us. We're not alone in this and that he will not fail us nor forsake thee. God is saying, I have an answer. I have an answer to this situation. Here's what we're told in the book of James. I, I, love, I love the book of James. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this. It's not being giddy because you're being tried. That's not what James is not speaking from some twisted, demented frame of mind. When he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Count it all joy when all hell breaks out in your life. That's not what he is saying. He said, here's where the joy comes. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. He goes on to say in just a few more verses in verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised them that love him. And so there's where we find our joy, not in the fact that we are faced with situations and perils in our life, but we know this, that God can and will and always does comfort us. I don't want to sound out of key here this evening, but some of my highest highs with God has not been at my highest heights. <laughs> some of my highest highs with God has been at my lowest lows where I found that God really was. This book that my mom and dad introduced me to was more than just a book. I found out that it was more than just something the Sunday school teacher kind of talked from. But in my lowest lows, when I couldn't find an answer anywhere, I found that God's word really was valid, that God does have an answer. He can lead and he will guide and direct us. The Lord tells us in First Peter, uh, through the mouthpiece here of, of Simon Peter 4 and 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. We've all kind of found ourselves viewing ourselves in that mirror, wondering what in the world have I done to deserve this? What happened that I do to bring this on? He said, but rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Don't get caught up in the moment that you're standing in, but think about the moment that you're going to be standing in because we're going to understand his glory is going to be revealed and we're going to see a side of him that we never knew existed. He said, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of, and of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. The Lord is saying, I've got a plan. No matter where we are, no matter what station in life we find ourselves, we understand that God has a plan. God has a plan. When life presents itself with an ever-changing variable, then I have to realize that, that I serve a very stationary God who knows about Godness. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. I, I love to do business with someone who knows what they're doing. 
I, I, uh, I'm always a little bit concerned when I call tech support and I can hear them on the other end flipping pages themselves. That, that, that makes me really nervous when I think that they're trying to figure out what's wrong as well. They're trying to educate themselves along with me rather to, than hear somebody say, I have been here. I know what this is. You do this, this, and this. There is a solution. There is a plan. And so I'm glad to know that I serve a God who knows about God things. He knows how to handle the circumstances of my life. I'm thankful that he, as one writer said, is an unmoved mover. <laughs> he is stationary. God knows what he is doing. And, and there is something about, uh, there's just something about even what we can view in the lives of other people. Sometimes in our youth, whether that's literal youth or spiritual youth, we can find, I think, these traits in both. But whether it's in our youth, literally or, physic, or physically or spiritually, sometimes we can see an unrest or an unsettledness when things in life go wrong. There seems to be an absence of that unsettledness in the lives of people who are a little bit older, again, whether that's physically or spiritually. And it, it's not because they've become callous and hardened to the things of life, but experience has taught them if we just hold on. If we just kind of wait this out, this, 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 sometimes the ship takes on a little bit of water, but that doesn't mean it's going to sink. If you've been following the last few days the, uh, the stock market and things have uh, kind of taken a dive there a few days ago and, and so the, the news was filled with you need to be still. Nobody panic. We, we, this, this is just part of this. This is part of it. We just have to... We, we just have to be careful. You've got to ride these things out. It's amazing how when everything goes well, nobody talks about it. When everything goes bad, everybody wants out. And that so is in life. Sometimes when things are well, we're a little bit silent. But when things are bad, we, we're wanting to bail out. And so I'm thankful that, to know that God is not shaken by everything that comes along. And I'm glad that I can look at others. And I can see in their lives some steadfastness, some some stability to their lives. And so that lends stability to me and I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful for that. I, I'm thankful to have people in my life and, and, and you're part of them that, that when, when the ship begins to take on water, you're not trying to jump overboard, but you're just saying you're gonna ride this thing out. We're gonna take care because God has an answer. The Lord told Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20 and 17, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Uh, that's kind of odd right out of the gate, isn't it? Here's a battle, but you don't need to fight. But you see, fighting is what battles are all about. Here in this battle, you shall not need to fight. You don't won't have to do a thing. But he said, here's what, here's the only thing that you need to do is just set yourself and stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord. And I'm gonna tell you that that's one thing to read and another thing to live out. Because I've had a season of my life where the Lord spoke this very scripture into my life and said, you need to set yourself and sit and stand still and just see the salvation of the Lord. You can't deal with this and you're gonna have to let me deal with this. And it's, it's one thing to shout about that when the preacher's preaching it, but it's quite a different animal to live that out. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is going to be with you. Just hold on. I'm going to take care of this. I've discovered some disheartening things about people. 
I've discovered that sometimes people will kind of back away when the fire gets hot. I've discovered that sometimes friends will forsake you when times get tough. And uh, I, I, my wife and I have coined this phrase among ourselves. And, and um, I said sometimes the difficulty is not finding out who your friends are. The difficulty is finding out who your friends aren't. Those that you thought you could lean on, that all of a sudden there was a vacuum. All of a sudden there was nothing there. And so that can be difficult. But I'm thankful for Hebrews 13 and 5 that says, Of the Lord I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I'm going to tell you, when, when I didn't deserve for God to hear my prayer, he heard my prayer. When I didn't deserve God to touch me, he touched me. When I did not deserve to feel his presence, God's presence embraced me. And I'm thankful to know that Hebrews 13 and 5 is not just a little bit of ink smeared on a page, but it is the truth, a promise that says, I will be there. Amen. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah 59 and 19 The scripture says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. This part we're familiar with. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Now we often shout about that and that's not out of order, but I want to say it again tonight. Don't just hear this, get this. That when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord, this is a promise, He will raise up a standard against him. If you know anything about floods, you know that when they come, no matter if it's the right situation, when a true flood comes, no matter how many sandbags you put up, water has a way of getting around it, over it, under it, through it, somehow or another. Amen. And so when the water makes its way past those barriers, it has a way of just engulfing anything in its path. Water can be very, very destructive. Several years ago, uh, a, a good pastor friend and his family, uh, my wife and I, our family, they, uh, they, they were a, a victim of a flash flood. Uh, I, I think that's what you call it. Uh, uh, the ocean, actually, the, the, there was a, uh, uh, the ocean came up. They lived very close to the coast, and, and uh, she actually saw the water coming. And just started uh, and just started hollering and screaming, and so the the water just began to fill up their house. Literally, it just began to all around their house. And I've, I've shared this before, but as the water they shared with us, as the water came up into their house at a certain level, the doors and the windows and everything gave way. And when they did, it literally flushed everything they owned away. It was the most phenomenal thing. My wife and I went there immediately. Uh, after this happened to help them on standing in their house that was just filled with mud and no furniture. It was amazing. And they had, uh, they had a, a, an addition built on the back of their home and then there were some big windows and some French doors and those French doors is what eventually gave. And when that gave way, it just washed everything they had away. And so when the enemy comes in like a flood... The Lord will raise up a standard against him. And so when the enemy and, and it comes in our lives, no matter what we have put up, no matter what we have done, I'm thankful that God has a way. No matter if the enemy does infiltrate what I have put in place, if the enemy gets around what I have established, I'm thankful that the Lord is not just going to sit back and watch me 
washed away or drifted away. Amen. So here's how we respond in those times. I can't get so wrapped up in what the enemy's doing or more wrapped up in that than I am in what God is doing. I got to realize when the enemy comes in, God has still has an answer for my situation. He has sanctioned his spirit to come to our rescue and to lift up a standard. He has authorized a means that that we can look to and look toward and bear us up in our times of weakness. Paul said to the church in Rome in chapter 8 and verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit itself also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Have we been there? I don't know. I would pray if I knew what to pray. I would say a lot if I knew what to say. I would fill up a page if I knew what to write. But it said, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I'm thankful that when I run out of my vocabulary, when it has exhausted itself, that heaven has not even scratched the surface, God has an answer. I want to, I've, I've preached extensively through the years at different times about these standards, and so I'm not going to take a long time but tonight I just want to remind you of that, of what the scripture is talking about here. When we hear the word standard, the Lord spoke to Moses in Numbers 2 and 1. And he said unto Aaron, saying, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of the father's house far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. Amen. The Lord is instructing Moses to instruct the children of Israel. This is how we're going to travel. We're going to be on a journey. And you've got to understand again, let me remind you this evening that the children of Israel, when they were moving, it wasn't just a band of 50 people. This was not just a band of 100 people, but this was about 2.5 million people that were moving. So it was just a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> And so he said, but here is how we're going to have some order to this. He said, every man of the tribe of Israel is going to pitch by their own standard. They're going to set their tent according to their own standard. And in uh, verse 24, the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they pitched by their standard. And so they set forward every one of them after their families according to the house of their fathers. Now, if I could just briefly touch this for those who have not heard this before. When the Lord brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, they were literally just a mass of humanity, just a conglomerate of people. What a confusing thing that would have been. But God in his infinite wisdom knew that if we are going to get successfully from point A to point B, we're going to need a system. Amen. And so he said, I understand in the heart of man, because he, after all, created us, he understood the sense of community. We all have a sense of community inside of us. And so God recognized our need of structure. He recognizes within us our need of stability as human beings. And so he found uh, the community in the body of Christ. And there's a sense of safety, I think, when we come together. I've been in and out of this building today several times, and I'm going to tell you, it feels a lot better right now than it's felt any time I've been in it today. That's the truth. There's a, there's a, there's a security. There's a peace, and I'm, 
I'm thankful for any time I can come into the church, but I want you to understand there's a sense of security that just comes when you just come into the house of the Lord, a peace that bays over us. The Bible mentions the safety that it's found in the multitude of counselors. There's just something that's lent to us as we come together. And so that's why God divided the children of Israel into tribes. He did not intend ever for them to just kind of aimlessly make their way to the promised land. Just, you know, here's the gate, here's the instructions. I wish you well, hope everything comes out all right. But he set structure and he said, I want you to follow this. The Bible says, as I've often quoted from the 68th Psalm, that God sets the solitary into families. He doesn't just leave us to our own whelms and desires and he doesn't just give birth to us and set us on the sidewalk and hope that we make it. That's why when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God puts us into a family. I'm thankful that the Lord, I'm thankful that the Lord calls ministry to churches, but I'm also thankful that the Lord calls congregations to a church. I believe that God sets us there. And so it's not the will of God that, that the solitary would stay solitary. We need to connect ourselves, a sense of community, because God sees the ultimate need in our lives. That's why he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It's, it's not because somebody gets more brownie points for coming. It's because we all win when we come together. There's something powerful that happens when we come together in, in our times of worship. And so he is a provider the Lord is setting into motion, was setting into motion right here in this passage of Scripture, something that we are still benefiting from in this very day. I'm thankful that I knew where to go tonight. <laughs> I'm thankful that I knew what time to be here. And I'm glad I knew the address. I'm glad that I, I'm glad there was a church that we could come to. And so the Lord divided the people into tribes. Some Bible scholars have gone so far and, and every tribe was given a flag or a, an ensign, a standard, so to speak. And some Bible scholars have gone as far uh, to define the colors and even certain figures that would have been a part of those flags or those signs. And so, again, I've preached about that in detail. I'm just trying to hit the points of it tonight. But there were chosen men out of these tribes, and their sole responsibility was to bear the flag or to bear the standard. And so when the cloud moved, and, and when the, then the cloud becomes stationary, and they had to set up camp, Every man had to know, well, what do I do from here? And it was already established. When the cloud stops moving and it's time to set up camp, forever how long that may have been, there was a man in the camp that was a standard bearer. That's what the scripture calls him. And so the, the tribe, the standard bearer, the tribe of Judah would raise the flag of the tribe of Judah. And every member of the tribe of Judah was to pitch their tent toward that standard, toward that flag so that there was order and you keep your eye on that flag. You don't worry about every other flag. You just keep your eye on that flag because when the cloud begins to move, the standard bearer is gonna let that flag down and that's when we know it's time to start packing the tent and it's time to start loading up the children because we're about to make our journey again. It goes without staying or it should at least go without saying that this standard, this flag, and the standard bearer would become an intricate part of, our, of their daily lives. I would, I would guess, I'm just guessing, but I would guess that the first thing that you look for when you kicked open the flap of your tent was to see where the flag was. I want to make sure that, everything, that nothing changed through the night. 
Amen. There's a whole lot of preaching all of this, and I'm trying to my best to just leave it alone tonight. But I'm going to tell you that every day that we live, we ought to look at and find where is the standard of my life? Where is the spirit? Where is the direction? I want to make sure that nothing shifted through the night. They became known as the standard bearer. They no doubt, I believe, would grow dependent upon the standard bearer. I mean, they're the ones that are keeping them in line. They're the ones that are keeping them in check. They're, they're the ones that letting them know all is well or today is a day of moving. And so the children of Israel was in the truest sense they were a people without a country. They were on their way to a promise, but they hadn't arrived. They were just pilgrims, sojourners, just passing through one place after another. Therefore, the Lord gave them a father, or at least a father figure, because he placed them in a community, giving them a sense of togetherness, a sense of oneness. And so we see that the children of Israel had to learn to pitch their tent toward their standard. That gave them the opportunity, I think, Amen. As, as, they, as they camped out time and time again, they, they become close to one another and would know one another as we know one another today. Amen. I'm thankful for the family of God. The family of God. I'm going to tell you at its worst, it's still better than not having a family of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. These standards or these flags were so important because uh, as they begin to move, it was in, in imperative that they keep their eye to know when it is time. I want to have, I, I want to fix my eye every day where God would lead me for that day and what he would have for me to do. And when they arrived at their destination, as I mentioned a moment ago, it was so important that they were in harmony, that they knew what to do. And so that is what the standard of God is in our lives. And because we are partakers of his spirit, we have the right to walk in his authority. We have the right to exercise his name when we pray and when we go about our day. And because we have that right, it doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do because I have that right. Amen. Because I have the Spirit of God leading me, I know that God is going to see me through. Praise God. He has a standard in my life. When an enemy comes in like a flood, when there is a sense of uncertainty, he said, God will raise up a standard. And I can look at that and realize all is well. All is well. <clears throat> the enemy comes. I have to remember what Paul said. We quote this so much, but it's so true. All things work together. God has a purpose. God is going to work this to our good. I'm thankful to know that. Isaiah 59 and 21, the scripture says, As for me... This is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart, depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed saith the Lord from henceforth and forever. In other words, God was making a covenant with his people. Amen. Now that word covenant may not mean so much to us today but a covenant is a very powerful powerful thing when God makes a covenant I'm thankful today to know the scripture the word of God that has been propelled ahead often through the voices of prophecies and prophets that covered us with a covenant that God had made a promise and he never backs out of his promise this verse verse 21 was the forerunner of what was to come the initial indication of the assurance that 
God really does have an answer. Amen. Especially when we think about this setting. Verse 21 is a reaffirming of a covenant that was, that was given to the forefathers of a coming redeemer. A promise that was hurled into the future without any sense of knowing, without any, anything tangible that you could put your hands on. But there's one coming. There's one coming. A promise. Now the Redeemer has come. The Bible says in Hebrews 8 and 10, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind. Where did the law start out? The law started out on a rock. <laughs> it started out on tables of stone on Mount Sinai. But he said, I'm going to pull that out of that rock and I'm going to put it into your mind and I'm going to write them on your heart and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Amen. They're, I'm going to be a God and they're going to be a people. If he is my God and if I am his child, then I have to know this. Everything is going to be all right. He's going to take care of me. Every father in this house needs to understand what I'm saying. Every mother in this house needs to understand what I'm saying tonight. That God is going to take care of our circumstances, our situations. If we in our own human frailty have the good sense to take care of our own. How much more do you think God is going to take care of us? Praise the Lord. I find such comfort in the 91st Psalm. <clears throat> Perhaps it ought to be read in its entirety. But let's just read the first four verses. The Bible says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Amen. I'm thankful for the all-encompassing wings of God that I can hide myself under. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something about those little chicks under that wing. They're not just there hiding from the sun or from a predator. They are not just there at the whelm of whatever's after them. But the same mother that covered them with her wings is also there to defend them against whatever comes their way. And so God is not just helplessly covering us, hoping for the best, but he is also our defender. Amen. David said, I'm thankful that he's going to cover me with his feathers and under his wings thou shalt trust. His, his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. I'm glad that I'm covered. We, we read and quote and refer to the 23rd Psalm so often sometimes I think that some of its promises almost get lost to us because they've just become 
plaques in the house and just, just become things we read and, and, and moments that we, that we refer to or reflect on. But, but David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. I'm thankful to know that he is able to keep me. Amen. As our musicians come this evening. Psalms 46 and 1, the Bible says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Paul said to the church in Rome, he said that God hath commended his love toward us that in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, while we were in this helpless, hapless situation, he still died for us. And so I say tonight that no matter what we face in life, no matter how many people walk away, no matter how many forsake, I'm thankful that God knows what he is doing. I have an assurance, not in, in man, but I have an assurance in God that he will keep me that he will preserve me. And I, 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 I'm thankful this evening to know that his spirit is real. And I just close with something that I often refer to from the book of Jude. That when everything around you fails, Jude was so candid, so candid. Because Jude, though it's just a, a, a mere 25 verses, Jude pulls out several things to remind us that if you put your trust in the wrong thing, it can slip out from under you. And so Jude boldly declares first and reminds us of one-third of the angels that walked away or were cast out, that turned away. He reminds us of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we think of Sodom and Gomorrah in its end and in its destruction, but it wasn't always that way. Sodom and Gomorrah represented great commerce and wealth and stability at one time. And then, and then Jude mentions Korah. We recognize Korah as one of the Levites with the sole responsibility of bearing the ark of God. But what he is more noted for than anything else is that's, that, that's the crew that got swallowed up by the earth because they rose up against Moses. And so we remember them in their demise without recognizing that prior to their fall, they were voices of influence and they were pillars in their community and strength. They represented strength and stability. And so Jude says when the angels fail and when organizations or cities or empires fail or when great tremendous leaders fail, you need to remember this unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. Amen. To the only wise God, our Savior, 
be glory and majesty and dominion and power forever. And so when everything around me fails, I've got to put my eyes on him and realize that he will keep me. Now, I'm, I, I realize tonight that I'm preaching to some kept folks. Some of you maybe are in this, but some of you have already lived this, and you've been kept. That didn't make the next trial any less painful or uncomfortable, but the assurance was so countersunk in our heart that the God that brought us through this, he will take us through. The God who kept me yesterday will keep me today. He'll keep me tomorrow. I hope with the help of the Lord tonight that with just His Word that we have been able to just toss your way a lifeline that says there is hope. There is hope. Because God is our strength. He is our stability. He is our rock. He's what we stand on. I'm thankful for that. Amen. I'm thankful for that. Let's stand together. Several times through the years, my wife and I have vacationed with some friends, minister friends. We've rented houseboats and enjoyed several days together. I'm not implying that you can't feel the the ways and things of that nature, but after a while, you somewhat get accustomed to that. So much so that when you get off the boat, it feels kind of strange. <laughs> and if, if we're not careful, sometimes we get so accustomed to the turbulence of life. Every now and then we just need to step off and stand on Him and let us be assured that everything's not moving. Everything's not rocking. Everything is not, everything is not so easily shaken and disturbed. I want to stand on him. So tonight, I'm just going to ask you, would you just somehow just step out of your circumstance as best you can right now and just stand over on his word. And just for a moment before you leave this place tonight, I'm, I'm being very candid because some people are going to leave this house and you're going to go back home to a situation that has not altogether changed. The songs we sang tonight, the sermon that I have preached has not been a key that just all of a sudden turned everything off and fixed everything and made it right. And so tonight, if you would just step from where you are and just stand on His Word and just feel that security and that solidarity and realize that everything is not moving and God's Word is sure and God's going to see me through. I wonder if we would just step out tonight. Can we come down to the front? If you would, and just find that place to stand. I don't mean to sound trite or silly this evening, but I would just ask you to say, Lord, help my feet to stand on your word and let me feel the security of a world that is not, that is not tossed, a world that is not being shifted with the sands of time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, 
please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.